2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 2, is our passage for this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 12, and beginning in verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and Lord, we just want to ask you to help us. Help us in our time of need, which is always. Help us to recognize that, that we are always in need of you. Help us to understand that we need your strength, we need your guidance, we need your grace. Lord, help us to understand how you can use anything for your purposes, even our own weaknesses. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want us to discuss the power of weakness. It is a definitely a, a, a crazy thing to say that weakness has power. Uh, it sounds rather ironic. It sounds uh, like a paradox. But yet the Apostle Paul says that weakness has definite benefit for us. Now, Paul didn't go around asking for weakness. He didn't go around looking for weakness. and it, it, That's not how he found out about this. In fact, he went through a period of time where there was some weakness that he hated, that he couldn't stand. But it taught him some things. The Apostle Paul, in this second uh, letter to the Corinthians that we have, he's having to do a crazy thing. He's having to kind of distinguish himself from some other folks. And he doesn't want to do it, but he says, basically, you guys are kind of making me do this. And um, he ends up saying, look, if all these other folks want to brag about, you know, their degrees, their excellent speech, their this and that, He's like, I got some things to, to brag about, too. And he said, um, in, in the 
passage previous to what we just read. It's the one where he kind of gives us a, a list, an encyclopedia of all his sufferings. He, he talks about how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was stoned, and how he's been beaten, and how he's been whipped, and how he's been hungry, and thirsty, and persecuted, and ran out of cities, and all these other things. And he says, you know, um, so, you know, I'll leave that up to you, how you want to judge me to these other so-called super apostles that kind of present themselves as being great and want to get all your attention. And he said, now, if you really want to talk about something special, talk about a, a guy who was brought up into the heavens itself. He said, but I won't brag on, a guy, on that guy. And, of course, Paul was that guy himself. He received a special visitation from the Lord that's not normal. It's not part of the regular Christian experience. But Paul said, you know what? That's not even something I'm going to brag about myself. He said, I've learned if I'm going to brag about anything, if I'm going to make a big deal about anything, it's going to be my weakness. And he said, here's how I came across that philosophy. He said, I, because of those great visions, because of that great experience, I received a messenger from Satan that was going to what I also call a thorn in the flesh, and it was going to keep me from being conceited. Now, isn't this interesting? We know uh, that Apostle Paul is the man who called himself the chief of sinners. So we would see that if you're calling yourself the chief of sinners, you know, you, you probably got a handle on that humility thing, and we know he was so close to the Lord. But yet the reality is, Paul was prone and subject to pride just like us. You know that all of us, there may be certain things you don't have a certain a temptation to. Certain things you're like, you see other people struggling, you're like, I feel sorry for them, but I don't really understand that because I don't have that temptation in my life. But all of us have this temptation toward pride. All of us have this temptation toward thinking more of ourselves than we should. Pride was the very thing that brought Satan to rebel against God. He thought he would raise himself up. When he offered Adam and Eve that fruit, one of the things he tempted with them was pride. Hey, you can become like God. Later on, the Bible tells a story of the Tower of Babel. They thought, we'll reach the heavens. We can become like God. We can do anything we want. And throughout the story of history, throughout the pages of the Bible, we see this sin of pride, this ugly sin rearing its head. And Paul himself was not immune to that sin of pride. And so he says, God gave me this thorn in the flesh this messenger of Satan. God allowed this in my life so that I would not be conceited. Now, it's interesting here to understand that in your life, in the same circumstance, both God and the devil will be at work. The devil may bring something and God definitely can't, God definitely is in control and anything the devil brings, it has to be because God allowed it. So you may say that it almost looks, it may appear from the outside, that God and the devil are on the same page. Think about Job. They were in agreement that Job was going to go through this. But the reality is that their intents are vastly different. It's why the book of James tells us that God does not tempt us. Let no man say that he has been tempted by God. Because while Satan 
tries to cause and bring things into our life to tempt us, and that is his attempt to tear us down. God brings things in our life to test us, to draw us closer to him so that we may mature and grow in him. And he tells us here, the Apostle Paul says, I had this thorn in the flesh given to me because I was so tempted to be conceited. See, that's the thing about sin. That's the thing about pride. Even the blessings of God that you had nothing to do with, that you had no hand in, you didn't, you didn't bring them upon yourself or create them. They're purely a blessing of God. The sin of pride is so insidious that it can make us prideful about things we had nothing to do with. And Paul was tempted, like I think all of us would have been, if we'd seen this peek into heaven that nobody else had seen, Paul was tempted to get boastful, to get full of himself, to get prideful. And he says, so this messenger of Satan was sent to me. So this tough thing, this hard circumstance, this awful person, this physical condition, we don't know what it is. There's lots of speculation about what it is. Bible scholars for 2,000 years have been speculating and guessing and trying to figure out what this thorn in the flesh was. We don't know, but we know it was a tough situation that Paul didn't want. He didn't go around praying, God, I love you, and God, I'm so high and holy that I know you need to test me. So please send some thorns in the flesh my way so that I can experience your grace more, so that I can, you know. No, Paul didn't do that. In fact, the opposite, Paul said when these thorns in the flesh came, he prayed three different times. And I'll tell you one thing, while the scholars don't agree on what the thorn in the flesh is, they, they do agree that when he said he prayed three times, that didn't mean he said, God, take it away, God, take it away, God, take it away. But that there were three distinct periods of time in Paul's life where he pled with the Lord insistently, uh, totally, sincerely pleaded with him, God, please take this out of my life. And yet, God did not. In fact, God gave him the message. I don't know if he just gave him this one the third time, or maybe he gave him this message every time. I kind of I have a feeling like God gave him the message and kept repeating it. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, what Paul was pleading was, God, I need you to take this out of my life. I need you to get rid of this irritating circumstances. I need you to do this miracle. God, I need you. And God said, no, Paul, what you need is my grace. What you want is for that thorn to be removed, but what you need is me. And God was teaching him through that. There is a strength that comes through weakness. As we uh, experience tough times in our life, again, they can be physical, emotional, relational, financial, whatever you imagine they are. And they're always things that come to us, usually unexpected and definitely always unwelcome. God never tells us in his word that we should pray and ask for tragedy, that we should look forward to terrible disasters happening in our life. And yet... He tells us that because of our relationship with God and because of the way that God takes all things and works them together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose, he says that we should have a different outlook on those things. Not that we should necessarily like them and want them, but when they happen, 
and we have to deal with them. There is a mindset that we can take, a way we can look at these things that help us to process these hardships and heartaches in life differently than others. Uh, as we consider this, we think about, first of all, the thing about uh, these hardnesses, these heartaches in our life, they hurt our pride. These things hurt our pride. And, you know, we, when we usually say, talk about somebody's pride being hurt, we don't think about that as a good thing. You know, somebody said something about your weight. Well, that kind of hurt my pride, you know. Or somebody said something about my, the way that our house was decorated or the way that we did this job or this or that. And, oh, and it hurt my pride or it hurt their pride. And, and usually we, we say that as a negative thing. But the reality is, Paul says, our pride needs to get hurt. That we're conceited. If the Apostle Paul is conceited, I'm conceited, and you're conceited. We all struggle with conceit. And it's not because we're like something super amazing. The Bible tells us everything we've got, we got from God. Now, on the other hand, don't twist this around and saying that you should sit here and whip and beat yourself and say, oh, I'm a worm, I'm terrible. No, the Bible has plenty to tell us about our identity in Christ, that we're a child of the king, we're part of the family of God, we're God's soldiers, we're God's workers, we're God's farmers, on and on and on. So there's plenty of reason to have uh, esteem and confidence in Christ. But we must recognize that everything we have positive comes from him. But we get these silly little notions that apart from Christ, somehow we're something better than anyone else, when in fact we're not. We are sinners saved by grace. That's the bottom line. And all of us, just like Paul, have this temptation to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We have this temptation to swell up and to think we're better and we deserve more and we shouldn't be treated this way and I shouldn't have to be put through this and I put in, done my time and all this blah, 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 blah. We, we just keep on having reasons why we should be better or treated better or this or that or the other. Paul says our pride needs to get hurt. The power in weakness is that it does what, there's very little that can damage our pride a lot. I mean, our pride's tough, man. Our, our pride is resilient. Our pride is, is used to not caring, you know, about what the world says because we're proud and we know it and we don't care. But our weakness has a way of chipping away at the pride. So our pride is hurt. That's one of the powers of, of our weakness. Secondly, um, the power of weakness is that it heightens our prayer life. Isn't it something that we can kind of almost forget about the Lord? I mean, not completely. We acknowledge him. We say our prayers before we eat and maybe our little bedtime prayer, morning prayer, you know, church prayer, whatever. Yeah, we still pray. Yes, we still acknowledge God. But all of a sudden, when we got a problem, it's a whole new level, right? It, I mean, it goes from, oh, God, thank you for this day, to, oh, God, God, I need you. God, I am, I'm dying here. I mean, we get sincere. We, we throw away the fluff and the outward stuff real quick, and we get down to business with God, and it's, God, I'm hurting. God, this stinks. I can't stand this, God. This is awful. And we plead with him, and we say, God, help me. And our weakness has a way of reminding us of what was already true all the time, and that's that we need God. It has this way of turning our hearts 
from perfunctory prayer, just doing it for show or routine, to passionate prayer where we embrace God and our need for him in, in a way that we never could before. Third and finally, the power of weakness is that it highlights God's grace. Do you know that the weaker you are, the better chance you have to be a great testimony of God's grace? Because say, let's just say, if you are the person who's gifted with every gift, you're the coolest, best looking, most popular, you know, you just have all the accolades. See, people are going to look at you and they're not going to say, wow, God's grace is amazing. They're going to say, ooh, aren't they special? What God says is that he, t- he takes the glorious gospel and he puts it in, into jars of clay. That's like for us, like plastic water bottles, okay? Just junk that we throw away or, you know, tubs of butter. Any of y'all at your house ever save tubs of butter or anything like that to put little knickknacks in? I know when I was a kid, it was baby, baby food jars, you know, this kind of screw goes in this one and, you know, they'd be in the shed. But just, just, just junk that's throw away or we may keep it. That, that's when he said there were jars of clay. He's just saying, like, we're just ordinary old little nothing special, but yet within us, the most powerful message in the world, the message of the gospel is placed. Why does God do that? So that we understand that it's about God and his message and not about us. And so when God sees ordinary people who weren't the best and the most and the greatest and the blah, 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 you know what? When God works in us, people see us and they don't say, wow, he's great. They say, whoa, man, God's been working. God's done something in her. God has changed him. Wow. And God gets that glory. So instead, and Paul realized, you know, it's not my job to go around boasting and bragging on this big vision that I saw. God did that and he had a purpose and a reason behind it. But it's my job to keep going even though I'm weak even though I'm hurting, even though I feel like I'm not enough, that instead of trying to fake it, that I rely on God's grace. And that people, as they watch my life, as they see me, they realize that that old Paul, he's the only, man, it's got to be grace. Because I know that thorn in the flesh. I know that problem he has. I know that issue. I know that he doesn't have it all together himself. But wow, is God's grace amazing. How he's used Paul with all his flaws and failures and his sins in the background. Man, God is amazing. And our weakness just highlights the grace of God. It puts the spotlight on it where people look at us and they say, wow, I mean, she's a good person and all, but that had to be God. That's amazing. He's a good guy, but man, I never thought I'd see God must really be doing something, and God gets the glory. Again, none of us want a bad life, and God doesn't encourage us to pray or ask for troubles or heartaches. But they are part of life. We'd all like the easy, the happy, the carefree life. What's the old saying? Happy as a clam. Anybody know what makes clams so happy? I don't know, but they're supposedly really happy, happy as a clam. But guess what? 
You know that clams only produce pearls when there's an irritant? If they have the happy, easy, carefree life, then that clam doesn't produce a single pearl. It is only the clams that have an irritant introduced into their system that builds upon and builds upon and builds upon that, and one day someone opens up that clam and finds a beautiful pearl. And it's kind of like that in our lives, except it's not the pearl may have done it itself with the irritant, but for us, we didn't provide the irritant or the pearl. It's God's grace. When we're weak and when we surrender that to him, his, his grace wraps us and wraps us and enfolds us and grows around us so that our lives become a jewel. They become a, a trophy of God's grace. And we understand that his grace truly is enough. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we have no reason to brag or boast. Everything we have is from you. And yet, God, our, that flesh, <laughs> that, that old nature that even though it's dead and you've created the new nature within us, it hangs around and it won't go away. And it tempts us along with the world and the devil to be prideful. God, help us to understand that, Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. That our weaknesses are real and they are great. They are massive. But your grace is greater still. Your grace is greater than all of our sins, all of our flaws, all of our failures. And God, that if we will understand that these weaknesses in our lives, as hard as they are, that they perform a valuable service, a powerful service in our life, that they hinder our pride, they help our prayer life, and, and Father, they highlight your grace. And that's what our lives are to be about. Help us to have the right perspective on you and about the things we face in life, that we turn to you immediately. We don't wait. We don't hold up ourselves in pride, but God, we just turn to you and receive the grace that we need. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.